open up your books, you bad apples. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Bad Apple Book Club podcast on iTunes and Spotify. You're listening to it through your phones. Lucas Nord here. Or uh, Ann Colang here, or whatever podcast app you listen to. Yeah, you know what? I shouldn't discriminate. Those are just... I'm an iTunes guy myself, you know what I mean? Apple, Apple through and through, baby. I prefer I prefer a, a nice, sleek design to um, something that's actually a lot more user-friendly or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I like I like uh, Apple Podcasts a lot. Spotify, still iffy on. Um, I feel that. But, yeah, I, I kind of wish they would separate their music from their podcasts and make their podcasts more... You know, have a better interface for their podcast. But, Wouldn't that be something? Um, you know, I'll, I'll save I'll save those arguments for when we get picked up by Spotify. Yeah, right. Which, you know, Spotify is Spotify is my favorite podcast app of all time. <laughs> I've said as much <laughs> yeah, since day it. one. <laughs> you know, when I when I, when Spotify came out, I said <laughs> uh, this needs podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're back to talk about. The Turn of the Screw by Henry James again. This is our second of what will be three parts for the series. Um, Last week we're introduced to a nameless governess who takes up a perfect job at this big, dusty manor called Bly with these two little angel children. And um, as far as I can tell, the only other person in the house is the maid, Miss Gross. But I feel like... They also talk about other people that work, like the grounds and stuff like that. There must be. I can't imagine that Miss Gross is really picking up all the slack. But um, so far, pretty much all we're getting out of this very ambiguous story is everything sounds too good to be true. Um, the governess, once again nameless, is whisked into this job by a very handsome man who is the uncle of the two orphan children she's watching being a boy named Miles and a girl named Flora. And um, things are just a little funny in this house, but we really haven't got to too much meat of the story. So far, though, um, the governess has seen the apparition of a man who we learned was the previous, um, well, you know, the guy running Bly before named Peter Quint, but he is dead, so she just keeps seeing his apparition stalk around the manor. Very strange. Yep. Quint ain't dead. Nope. That's my conspiracy. Yeah, hey. I mean, we don't know for sure. I, d- I have no idea. There's like four theories that are going on through my head right now of what this book could possibly possibly be saying. But yeah, and I'm sure by the end of it, we will not know which of them is true. Yep. That's all right, though. That's Henry. That is Henry. Yeah, we talked about that a lot in the first episode was how, um, well, just ambiguously the whole story is written. Phrases are thrown around that could be taken in a multitude of different ways, and it's really up to you to decide exactly what you think. You know what I mean? Um, that's exciting, yeah. though, to not have everything spelled out for you. I'm sure that, I don't actually know, but you were talking about how this is the, technically whatever, the second season of The Haunting of Hill House, which doesn't make any sense, but you know, the haunting of Bly Manor or whatever. And um, I can imagine them really boiling this story down and streamlining it and taking away any 
nice, strange essence that was there in the first place. I haven't seen it, but, you know, I'm fully ready to form a complete opinion on it. <laughs> yeah, um, there's, as the story progresses, there's definitely a lot of differences. I think they do a good job at um, putting their own twist on it because... It's actually multiple Henry James stories put together. And, oh. Uh, yeah, so, like, I mentioned that he liked to write about, you know, women going to America and women going to England uh, as Americans or as, well, women of England and the differences. And that's one of the differences in the... Well, I guess we don't really know the backstory of the governess, but no. in the... TV show, she's actually American. Coming ah, to England, so that was fish out of water. Yeah, exactly. So, so Lucas, can you fill us in on the rest of the story, please? Alrighty. Um, picking up right where we left off last week after the governess was sitting with Flora on the, you know, waterfront or whatever. Um, we talked about how she turned her head towards an obvious presence there with her and the child that the child either was intentionally not looking at or actually was completely oblivious to the presence of. Um, the governess immediately goes back to the house and informs Miss Gross of the encounter. And after constantly blinding herself to any obvious threats or just things being strange in the first place like we kept talking about in the first part she's kind of going through this whole thing dreamlike and any well i suppose her hearing the crying kid in the first part is kind of the perfect metaphor for everything she hears it and she knows she heard it but she just kind of goes well you know <laughs> i mean that's that's weird but i'm not going to worry about that and she's kind of been going through this whole story like that or that's a way that it can be interpreted the governess is actually keenly aware of the fact that the children are aware themselves of the spirit of Peter Quint and the aforementioned spirit by the water. The the woman by the waterfront uh, wearing all black, including a, uh, you know, fear-inducing countenance. As we've seen before, the governess is aware of who the woman is without strictly being told. This apparition being that of a woman named Miss Jezel, a.k.a. the previous governess. Oof. We talked, about, so. we talked about her in the first episode. She was the previous government, uh, governess, and then she just kind of went Splitsville and died mysteriously. Yep, and nobody wants to talk about it. <laughs> nobody wants to talk uh, about anything. Oh yep. my god, the headmaster just... at the school that kicked Miles out. Uh, anytime the governess asks Mrs. Gross about anything, she's got to pry every answer out. Um, yeah. I mean, come on. Just open open your heart, you know? Or don't. Yeah, yeah. The go the governess. She's trying. You know, she might be sexually repressed and wants to impress the, the you know the uncle that's taking care of this the, these children and the property. But she just wants to make a good impression. Just give her that much, guys. Come on. Yeah. But. Yep. So, the 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 lady that we saw at the end of part one. Uh, yeah. This that that lady was uh, the previous owner. Or, or the previous servant. Previous so governess, uh, Miss Jezel. Kind of a fun name, yep. too. It is fun. Being that the governess is on to the kids and they're 
you know, somewhat scheming. She's positive she won't get any answers out of either of them on the subject. And just as it was stated that Quint was quote-unquote too free with Miles, the governess tells Gross that Jezel quote-unquote fixed Flora, mentioning Jezel's beauty in the same breath, pretty much. Um, once again, showing us that the uncle of these orphans liked his governesses pretty because our nameless governess here that we've been um, reading the story through the eyes of the whole time is also supposed to be particularly young and beautiful. Gross confides in the governess that Quentin Jezel had in fact had a scandalous affair during their collective times at Bly, and the governess remarks that the children are beyond her control. Does a pretty quick 180 here, going from these children being perfect little godsends to um, still not seeing any particular, like, acts of the children acting out or anything, but she's just, uh, like I said, kind of does a complete 180. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, um, cause there's basically, like, two to three, um, you know, thoughts you, or, like, um, ways to interpret this story at this point. Uh, one uh the governess is like seeing all these ghosts and the children and uh mrs gross is just like not uh seeing these ghosts as well and the governess uh they they think she's going crazy um so that's just as scary i think to if you think the ghosts exist i think that's just as scary if, right like the governess is going crazy seeing these things but then these two servants could be ghosts, apparitions, whatever, and they could be manip- manipulating the children. That's what the governess thinks. Right. Uh, she thinks, you know, they had sex once and that's just too much for me. These children are corrupted. Their minds are corrupted. Um, and yeah, or the ghost could just be chilling um, because they were connected to the children. Um, we just... Like we said, we really don't know yet. Or we, we probably won't ever know. No, probably. Convening again later that night, the governess and Gross talk in the governess's room until she's convinced Gross believes everything that um, she's kind of been piecing together. Returning to the orphans, the governess feels shame in thinking a child as sweet as Flora could be capable of cunning and plotting. Um, does the 180 and then does another complete 180 you know she's sure that these kids are scheming and up to something and then she's like oh no at least this one's not so bad see she's so sweet and charming and vibrant she's just so cute and then miles you know i guess he's fine too yeah you know know, we'll, we'll get to that Uh, everything's perfect yeah perfectly splendid later on inquiring to the point of prying the governess is made pervy to the fact that miles's bad behavior of the past directly relates to quint himself stating that jezel had known and did not disapprove of the relationship between the child and man once again no idea what they're talking about at all we don't know if it was an inappropriate relationship but at the same time um it's kind of, it was kind of frowned upon to be like buddy buddy if you were a servant and uh you're trying to be best friends with this kid right because the servant is of a below you class. <laughs> yeah fed up with getting the third degree gross fires retorts at the governess and 
you know, they part ways. Um, and piecing the puzzle together laid before her and spelling it out for Gross later on, the governess takes her silence as agreement. Um, which I guess you could do that if you wanted to. Gross confirms that while we don't know exactly what the relationship was between Miles and Quint, Flora and Jezel were doing the same exact thing. Um, mano y mano, you know what I mean? Miles to yeah. Quint is Flora as to Jezel or whatever. Mm-hmm. Gross defends Miles again, and the governess assures her that without any hard evidence, they can't go accusing anyone of anything, and they got to play the waiting game and kind of feel the thing out a little bit. Uh, this is just where the governess goes full helicopter parent. Yeah. Uh, she's like, I love you, I love you, I love you so much, and Pretty much. keeps a constant eye on him. What do you think um, it is? What do you think it is specifically about Miss Gross here that the governess feels she can confide in, other than the fact, well, maybe it is just that she's the only other person there that she can, um, chat with or something, but even though Gross seems like she knows everything, the governess is awfully trusting of her yeah i don't know because it could be that mrs gross is just like a reserved person who you know has her stuff together and then here comes uh the governess and she's just kind of like there's ghosts the kids they're being corrupted by the ghost and she's just kind of like chilling um (laughs) you know like why did this guy send this lady (laughs) um or like mrs gross could just be trying to be um you know like the mom of a child that says uh, they've seen a ghost. Like, oh, that's not real. Like, that that couldn't be real. Uh, so, Mrs. Gross is, yeah, she's plays a pretty important part in this, too, because she's just so private with, um, you know, what happened to the previous servants, and she doesn't really tell much about the children as well. Right. It could even be that she herself knows practically nothing about the children. Like, uh, we talked about the governess, she kind of realizes that she's got a completely empty and unknowing relationship with them as well up to this point. Yeah. Days passing without incident, the governess starts to keep a constant eye on the children, helicopter mom, showing more yeah. outward affection than before. Oh, great job making that drawing. Oh, that was the best game of hopscotch I ever saw. Yeah, keep on jumping that rope and do not leave my eyesight. Uh, and the children... Yeah. You know, maybe they're just excited that she's being so sweet with them, or maybe they're gaslighting her a little bit. They completely mirror her behavior. They're like, no, I love you more. No, you're better at jumping a rope than I am. No, no, no. You're, I I love you, nameless governess, Uh, which makes the governess suspicious, which I could see something like that happening. I I definitely like the second, uh you know way of thought there like (laughs) (laughs) suddenly mrs the governess is just like super huggy and like giving kisses left and right and then they're like well i guess we have to pay back the favor so she doesn't think she's going crazy oh (laughs) right yeah (laughs) the streak is finally broken one night when the governess is startled while reading in her room and going into the hallway makes towards the staircase her candle going out while she witnesses none other than Quint halfway up the stairs peering at her 
Uh, but my girl, the governess, Ooh. doesn't back down, and the two of them just stare at each other real hard for a while until the apparition disappears. Uh, Man, I just wish they stared there to like forever, and then Quint would just be like, "You know, I'm dead, right?" Like, I can stay here forever. <laughs> I'm a ghost. <laughs> you should not have a staring contest with a ghost. <laughs> if I've learned anything in my life, it's not to have a staring contest with a ghost. Yeah. Because uh, you'll be late for work the next morning. You'll be late for work the next morning. I, I get hungry pretty easily, you know? I get hungry easily and I get bored easily. So I'd be yeah. like, all right, as much <laughs> as I would love to sit here and stare at this ghostly apparition all night, I got things to do. The ghost is just like Michael Jordan, the most competitive person alive or dead. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got all night while well, I got an eternity. Yeah. The governess returns to her room to find Flora missing from her bed. The bed's, quote-unquote, curtains being pulled forward. I could not figure out what this meant, and I kind of figure it just means that she had one of those beds with the poles on the corner so that you could, like, shut yourself in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Curtains going around the whole thing? That sounds yeah. mighty fancy. It's uh, spooky too. basically what what you're imagining, like um, these Victorian, like glamorous bedposts with uh, curtains that can be drawn. Um, and it's a little bit of a callback uh, to <laughs> Crime and Punishment. But instead of being fancy, the net around the bed was just to keep the bugs out. Ah, boy, man. You <laughs> got to keep them at bay somehow. Yeah, so this one is a little bit more fancy. But yeah, like the governess, she goes to Flora's room and she's like, huh, uh, why is she out of bed right now in the middle of night? Just like me. That's mm. not right, Flora. Ooh, right. <laughs> you can't be investigating the ghosts like I am. Um, Flora eventually emerges from under a window blind, clearly distraught, and asks the governess where she's been. Um, her absence is explained, and the governess questions why she'd got out of bed and was staring out the window, you know, why am I out of bed? Why are you out of bed? Yeah. Flora tells the governess that she could tell she was alone in the room and sensed someone walking the grounds, though Flora says she didn't see anyone. And the governess is pretty positive that she's lying about this and questions Flora about the drawn bed curtains once again, you know? Okay, I'm confused about that, though. Does that mean that she left them... Oh, okay, no. The kid got out of bed and left the curtains open then. That's that's what's so strange to her, I guess, huh? Yeah, like, why is she up in the middle of the night? Like, she's obviously trying to play games with me because at this point the governess she's she's got kind of going crazy seeing all these ghosts and thinking the children are in danger um but it's kind of so i just got done with misery the book by stephen king of course and um the one thing about annie wilkes um she thinks it's the world against her and i think the governess is kind of in the same boat where um she's just super conspiratorial about everything she thinks that the kids are conspiring against her and these ghosts and uh, she just has no idea what mrs gross has to do with this as well very interesting flora tells the governess she didn't want to frighten the governess and she could have returned at any moment 
Um, deciding to stay up most nights after this incident, the governess is disturbed a little until she sees the figure of Miss Jezel once again with her face in her hand sitting at the bottom of the stairs one night, vanishing pretty much as soon as the governess sets eyes on her. Yeah, that was really weird. Like, she's just chilling with her head in her hands. Distraught. Um, which I don't I don't think she was that way when uh, she was at the lake, so somehow she plopped her head off and uh, is just carrying what? it around like a basketball. Are you... Is this... Are, are you making some kind of a joke here? Are you pulling my leg? What? No, you know, she's sitting with her face in her hands. Mm-hmm. She's not face? the she's not the headless ghost of Miss Jezel. It's like when you had a bad day at work and you're trying to pretend the world doesn't exist, so you bury your face in your hands. What? <laughs> I'm almost. I'm. I don't know. I I feel like literally Henry James is playing with me. Well, uh, this will come full circle and in, in just a few sections here. Deciding okay. to finally sleep at her normal hours one night, the governess is awoken to find her light extinguished, certain, it, uh, certain that it's the work of Flora, finding her at the window again. The governess suspects Flora of communicating with the ghost of Jezel and ventures from the room, looking for a window with the same view that uh, Flora can see. Finding one looking outward, the governess sees none other than Miles on the front lawn just kind of hanging out down there. Um... Troubling imagery here. Very strange. Yeah, yeah. Miles, um, why are you looking at the Big Dipper right now? Yeah, um, seriously. <laughs> you shouldn't be out of bed, young man. Yeah, but very, very weird. Um, lots of weird stuff going on, but now the children are starting to do some weird stuff, and she's just like, how do I save these children? Mm-hmm. Um, and she just doesn't know. Meeting out on the lawn, the governess ushers Miles back inside the house without a word from either of them. Questioning the boy of his motives when they return inside, Miles smiles and tells her that he wanted to see if he was capable of being quote-unquote bad. The boy kisses the governess and continues further, telling her he and Flora had arranged the incident specifically to disturb the governess, saying she had done exactly what she was supposed to, him being prideful of his ability to be quote unquote bad enough and the two end the conversation with an embrace. She, this is exactly, um, like you were saying, I see it as her being like, Oh, what is wrong with these perfect children? They're acting so strange. So she's like, I got to hug all that weirdness away in your brain, young miles. But I don't think a hug is going to fix anything. Yep. Uh, I don't know. Miles, he's just, he's bad. He's yeah, he uh, bad to the bone, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. When I was a kid, I said, I'm going to walk around at midnight, and I'll show you, Mom, how bad I can be. Yep. Um, yeah. But, and you did. Yeah. Ooh, yep, so I sure bad. did it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, very weird. And then she, he's like, I just wanted to show you that I'm a bad boy. Uh, Miss Governess. Once again. Um, just like Quint, who you probably think is attractive. Once again, it's just, oh, weird. Once again, it's just so creepy thinking about that, too, that he specifically tells her, you know, he didn't come up with any excuse. He's like, I'm standing out here because I want you to see that I don't cur. I'll step out yeah. 
onto the front lawn in the middle of the night, me and my sister will arrange something. Once again, uh, so far the complete vibe I'm getting off of this is that the kids are gaslighting her, but we, um, we're coming at it from different perspectives and stuff, and this will make for a pretty good discussion episode in a few weeks here. Oh, yeah. Yep. The governess confides in a suspicious Mrs. Gross that she believes the children to be plotting with the apparitions of Quentin Jezel, claiming that the children are quote-unquote talking horrors and plotting their meetups with the two ghosts while strolling the grounds under the governess's supervision. She's watching them from a distance, and she thinks that they're off. They're just like, oh, when did you want to meet up with those two again, and what do you want to do to mess with the governess again, and this, that, and the other thing, which, once again, kind of creepy. Definitely world against me vibes coming from the governess. Yeah. Once again, piecing the puzzle together before her, the governess comes to the conclusion that the children haven't been good, but just empty with their lives belonging to the ghosts of Quentin Jezel. Going even mm. further, the governess believes the plotting is to end in the children's destruction as to keep up the ghostly pair's diabolical work. Gross suggests yeah. getting in touch with the handsome bachelor, you know, the uncle, requesting him to take the children away from Bly because um, that kind of does seem like the problem here is this big dusty house, and that's the one thing everyone here has had in common, you know, Quint and Jezel both having worked there in the past. Gross then suggests getting the man to visit the manor himself instead. The governess worries that he'll think her lonely and crazy looking at the idea, and Gross takes the correspondence to the child, uh, the children's uncle upon herself. Um, mm. Just like you were talking about, there's this handsome guy, and he trusts her with everything, and oh... Only a nice guy would trust me with a big creepy house and a couple of weird kids, so I don't want him to think that I'm just getting a little lonely sitting around here, so why would I send him anything? You know, if anything, I'm the problem. Maybe that's what she's thinking. Who knows? Yeah, and this is where we're really starting to see that the governess is like, she could solve these problems. Um, She could reach out and contact, um, you know, the this uncle um but instead she's like oh then then he'll think i'm crazy and i'm just which i am i'm going crazy in this house um and she could fix so many problems if she would just like admit that um you know something something's something weird is going on you know with the children she's kind of like oh i'm gonna love these children and just hug them instead of like getting to the bottom of things who knows, man, is she going crazy or is the world going crazy? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, we, we don't know, but specifically with, um, uh, the uncle, she doesn't want him to think any less of her. And she is at this point, she is, uh, the book mentions she's like locking herself up in her room. She's like rehearsing how she's going to talk to the children and uh that's pretty crazy for like like minutes at a time in front of the children and mrs gross she just like zones out and doesn't like acknowledge them in like a dreamlike uh, state like you talked about in the last episode yeah so things are really uh starting to light off here yep uh, yep on a sunday the governess with miles in tow uh makes for the church 
Mrs. Gross and Flora are actually going inside the building while the governess and Miles lagged behind during their walk. After prolonged silence, Miles asks when he will be returning to school. He makes a point to mention that he tires of the company of nothing but women, you know, being the governess, his sister, Mrs. Gross, and that other than his aforementioned incident on the lawn where he saw if he could be bad, or I guess showed her that he could be bad, he's been perfectly (laughs) well-behaved. The governess attempts to slyly coax out of Miles his reason for expulsion from his school, but is shut down, being told that he wants to go back to school to be around his quote-unquote own sort. The governess jovially retorting that Flora is cut from the same cloth as him. Pretty much being yeah. like, she's the only sort like you I've ever met, buddy. Yeah, and it it is... Here's Henry James at it again. He says, uh, Miles, he's like, I want to be with my people. Um, well, who's your people, Miles? Like, is it the bad kids at school? Is it just like you want to be with the boys again? Is it that um, you, you just don't know with Henry? You know, he could be saying that Miles could be homosexual um, with this. It's just ambiguous and we just don't know what he means. But Miles, he's getting sick of being around with girls. He's sick of all the the drama, you know. If this book was any more ambiguous, it would be a book full of blank pages. It would be a Stanley Kubrick film. Oh, yeah. Miles asks the governess if his uncle agrees with her on the school matter, and the governess says she doesn't think he much cares about any part of the whole situation. Not just him um, being kicked out of school, but literally, of course, like we said, he pretty much gives her the keys and says, don't bother me. I don't care about any of this stuff. He's obviously trying to escape it. Um, so she tells that to Miles. He he probably doesn't care about any of this crap. Um, but it, it's also like, um, you could reach out to him. I mean, at the end of the day, this guy's family. And, yeah, Miles, he acts, reacts to this. Uh, he, he doesn't like that answer. Uh, because at this point, the governess isn't really doing much to help the situation. Very true. Swiftly and full of triumph, Miles informs the governess that he himself will get his uncle to visit and without another word marches forward into the church alone. Staying behind, the governess feels defeated and on edge knowing that the boy has quote-unquote consciousness and a plan. Um, What that plan is, you can't even begin to guess, you know what I mean? All he says is, oh, don't you worry, I'll get him to visit somehow. Mm -hmm. She decides then and there that she is to leave Bly... Uh, you know, the children and gross pretty much just wash her hands of the whole situation, claiming that no one could blame her for making the decision if they knew the exact circumstances. My job's done here. Yep. Mm, <laughs> I Where's came, my paycheck? <laughs> yep. I came, made things uh, maybe, uh, I don't know that they're worse than they were, but they definitely aren't better. I am getting out of <laughs> here, guys. And they call me crazy. <laughs> yep. Returning to the house out of impulse, the governess sits at the bottom of the staircase in a state of distress with her face in her hands, only to be reminded of her encounter with Jezel where she had sat in the same exact spot, sitting in the same exact manner. Yeah, yeah. And it's pretty neat because um, the governess, she's starting to like project herself into Miss Jezel. Exactly. Um, kind of see herself as this distraught 
depressed person, which could, you know, be evidence that she's, uh, these are just part of her imagination, but, um, I don't know, maybe the, the spirits are also, uh, feeling a bit down as well. This is, of course, the second time we've seen the governess do this where um, I think it was only her second encounter with Quint standing outside the kitchen window. Immediately after she runs out to try to meet him and sees he's gone, she stands pretty much exactly where he was and looks in through the window just like he was earlier, which Ooh, stood out yep. to me then, but this is the second time that's happened now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, gotta love the ambiguity. Ambiguity. Ambiguity in italics, you know? The governess mm-hmm. makes for the schoolroom to find none other than the apparition of Miss Jezel sitting at a table, head in her hands like the governess had been sitting like only moments before, and the ghost of Jezel raises her head, showing uh, pretty much complete indifference towards her. The ghost rises... <laughs> Once again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, just you again. <laughs> Once again, I thought, uh, you know, I thought this uh, book was a lot more creepy, but at least I had literally thought that the head was in her hands and she's just carrying it around like, no. a, like she's going to go play bass or <laughs> catch with the boys. Nope, she's <laughs> just, she's distraught. <laughs> I mean, hey, once again, Henry, uh, James Henry does not specify when he yeah, says I'm, when he says head I'm, in her hands, does he mean she's a decapitated ghost? I yeah, mean, I that, that's really up for the reader to decide. Uh, I like the more metal version. Yeah, I'm positive <laughs> that'll be one of the biggest points of contention when we actually get to discussing this. Is <laughs> that's now, all how, our uh, how exactly discussion. was she holding the head? Why was she decapitated? <laughs> the Quint did it. Yep. The ghost rises and stares intently at the governess making the governess herself feel the intruder in the situation, um, causing the governess to scream at her, calling her a terrible, miserable woman. Even though I suppose it'd be more fair to say, instead of saying you're a terrible, miserable woman, you're a terrible, miserable ghost. You know what I mean? I mean, I guess it's the ghost of a woman, but uh, it's like that South Park episode with Korn where there are pirate ghosts and they debate... If they're pirate ghosts or ghost pirates, because um, <laughs> pirate ghosts would be ghosts dressing up as pirates, and ghost pirates would be the actual ghosts of pirates. Uh, <laughs> completely unrelated, but that's one of my favorite episodes of South Park. I'll have to watch it. Jezel looks at the governess understandingly and vanishes. <laughs> she's just like, <laughs> she's just like, well, you're not wrong. I am pretty depressed, so I'm yeah. just going to, you know, pull a a total gothic uh, emo girl move and disappear into thin air. Peace. Now in the room with nothing but herself and the sunshine creeping in through the window, the governess feels that she must stay at Bly. And that is where we will pick back up with the third and final part of Henry James's The Turn of the Screw next week. <laughs> Yeah, Bly Manor at this point is just like, you know, she's not the hero we asked for, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess a she's going to stay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, a lot of lot of interesting stuff going on here. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're coming from the thought that these uh, ghosts aren't real, it's really spooky because, you know... It, 
children are going to be children. They're going to play games, and Flora and Miles could just be playing innocent games here. At the same time, like, we're seeing a lot of evidence that this could be the case where she's projecting these. Quint is kind of like, you know, the handsome uh, desires she wants, the sexual desires, I guess you could say, because she's fresh out of college. She's ready to play around. She probably hasn't yet. She's sexually repressed, um, and she's ready to mingle. Uh, um, you know, Victorian England doesn't have much going for it, but, you know, at least you have sex. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then Miss Jezel uh, definitely seems to be, you know, she's literally seeing Miss Jezel in these same positions that she's uh, been in herself that uh, we've we've seen with Quint. So you could see it that way. Or you could see that these children actually are in danger and these spirits are trying to um, somehow possess them, maybe live through them. Uh, or they could thought. just be chilling around, you know, and uh, not having that much of an effect at all. All so. these answers, well, I mean, all these questions, absolutely not to be answered by the end of the series next week. Uh, but like I said earlier, it'll be exciting to discuss and go over, you know, more of the symbolism and um, ambiguous details when we actually just talk about the whole book during our shoes off episode, you know, two weeks from now. And we'll finally determine if Miss Jezel is beheaded or not. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it'll be an it'll be a three hour debate of that. Yeah. Her head so, and I mean, her hands. It'll, it'll be uh, you know, from what I've heard, it'll, people are tuning in more to see that than the Jake Paul fight versus that other guy that oh, I have no idea who he is. Perfect. Yep. I don't uh, even know what that fight is, but I'm sure that it'll be a great time. Uh, well, it already happened. Jake Paul won. Oh, good for him. Uh, well, not really. He's mm. kind of a dirtbag. <laughs> yeah, you know, what can you do? Alrighty. Yeah. We so. we have the Instagram account that is just the Bad Apple Book Club. Um, You could follow that if you wanted to. You got anything you wanted to spit out before we close this thing up? Yeah, Um, I hope you guys are okay with us doing this little horror uh, adventure. We've gotten some positive feedback. Um, so yeah, we're going to continue with it. Uh, it's been fun. I, like I said, it's, we're both horror, horror fans. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's been a fun series so far. And, um, I know how the show ends. I don't really know (gasps) the particulars of how the book ends. Um, but, yeah, we'll find out next week, and you will too. And we definitely won't get a final answer. So if no. you want a definite answer, um, <laughs> just stop listening to the series. Yeah, it's, right. Try it's to just forget full about of it. mystery. Yep. I know we're at the end of <laughs> part two of three, but <laughs> just stop listening. Yep. Um, uh, but no, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Have a nice day.
and then if you have trouble with that podcast, you call me. Of course. You know. Oh yeah. I can always do nothing with it. <laughs>